Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. You can learn more about the church behind the program, how to contact us, and to learn more about the podcast when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, verses 16 through 21, called Tug of War. Here is more on the warfare, and I want to take you to one more. It's in 1 Peter, which is all the way in the back of your New Testament. So keep going to the right. 1 Peter 2. Peter is writing to a, a suffering church, a persecuted church that's going through a lot of hard times. And sometimes when you're going through hard times, you want to feed the flesh. Now, as much as uh, 1 Peter 2 is what you want, as much as there's been an uh, increase in Bible sales during this pandemic, there's been an increase in alcoholism. Uh, there's been concerns expressed by church leaders even to our governor, that we need to understand that the church's existence is essential because we walk a faith that is a one another faith. And God is using technology and we're grateful for that. But the church needs to be together for many reasons, to encourage one another in the faith, to uh, encourage one another to love and good deeds, to pray for one another, to minister to one another, to serve one another. And, and that's happening to a certain degree, but still we need to be together. Now, what experts are saying is Bible sales are up, and, and that's wonderful. Record numbers of people are watching uh, streams, and that's wonderful. But at the same time, there's a rise in alcoholism. At the same time, there's a rise in domestic abuse. And there's concerns that when people are shut in, look, people are making decisions, and you and I are as well. Now, a little bit more cooped up, what are you going to do? You're going to lean on God or go to the flesh. And so this brings out... Um, what we depend on. And I think God is using this time. For those of you who have gotten closer to the Lord during this time, praise God. But it's still a battle, and we have to acknowledge that. And this is 1 Peter 2. Look at verse 11. Peter writes, Beloved, I urge you, 1 Peter 2, 11, as aliens and strangers, to abstain from fleshly lusts which wage war against the soul. Keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles, so that in the thing in which you, they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. Now, I want you to read on because this is relevant to our time and what we're wrestling with as church leaders in terms of reopening the church. It says, Or to governors as sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and the praise of those who do right. For such is the will of God, that by doing right you may silence the ignorance of foolish men. In verse 14, there's a mention of governors. And let me just, I want to take a moment here because we're all thinking it, so let's talk about it. In California, we have Governor Gavin Newsom. And uh, right now, I know there's a lot of protesting and pressures uh, being put on the governor. And, and there's other places that we can talk about. Here, the word is submit. First Timothy 2, the word is pray. We want to be good citizens and we want to pray for our governor. And I hope you're praying for our governor. And even if you don't agree with his politics, you still need to pray for him because that's the biblical mandate. Now, the tension that the church is wrestling with is what do we do now when we feel like maybe there's some unjust uh, laws going on or the church reopening has been put maybe not in the priority that we would like? What should we do? And believe me, there's many angles to look at and pastors have been talking and we've been praying, but let me just say this to you. It's possible for the Lord to stir the heart of the governor in the direction that he wants it to go. Just like he can move the heart of the king, he can move the heart of the governor. Now, we're going to start a study on Wednesday nights in the book of Ezra. And in the book of Ezra, the Lord stirred 
the heart of King Cyrus to allow the temple to be rebuilt after 70 years of captivity. And we're going to call that study returning from captivity. It's, kind of, it's pretty fitting for our times. And here's what I want to say to you. The Lord stirred the heart of Cyrus in his direction. And I just felt impressed that we should be praying that the Lord does the work in the governor's heart. It doesn't mean he's not going to use voices in the church. It doesn't mean that he's not going to use pastors. It doesn't mean that he's not going to use some practical means. But in the end, we need to be praying. Amen? And we don't want to lose our witness as well. And this is where the tension comes in. We're citizens of America, but we're also citizens of a greater kingdom. Make sure that you uh, tune into the Navigating the Times broadcast because we're going to wrestle with some of these issues. And believe me, when I tell you, it, it is something you have to wrestle with. You have to go to the Word of God. You have to use the brain that God has given you, loving Him with all of your mind and so forth. And please pray for your leaders because right now we want to find that place where the Lord is leading us. But here in 1 Peter 2, you can see, brethren, that you are beloved, verse 11, but there's a war and there's a war against your soul and it's fleshly lusts that is at the heart of this war. Now, we know that there's a spiritual battle as well, and that's captured in Ephesians 6. We won't go there for right now. Go back to Galatians chapter 5. But suffice it to say, when you understand you're in a battle and you understand that the flesh sometimes digs its heels in, let's go back to the tug-of-war image for a second, the, the rope's being tugged on from both directions. There's a tug-of-war. The flesh tries to dig its heels in, and it can be pulled along and pulled to the place that you want to go as the Spirit enters in to the picture. You don't have to lose this battle. In fact, in 5.16, I told you the, the Greek here. You will, if you walk by the Spirit, you will not, know, not ever give in to the desires of your flesh. It's just that simple. But if you are led by the Spirit, Galatians 5.18, you are not under the law. Now, some of you may say, what does that mean? Well, here being under the law, <clears throat> the law reveals what sin is, so here, Paul's probably just talking about being under the power of sin. Sin is revealed by the law. You won't be under the weight of the law. You'll be free from the power of the law and the power of sin as you are, look at Galatians 5.18, as you are led by the Spirit. Now, here's another nuance of what it means to walk this out. You crucify the flesh. You understand the battle. You put on the armor of God. And now a further uh, component, you are led by the Spirit. What does it mean to be led by the Spirit? Well, let me just put it simply. If you were a sheep and you were led by a shepherd, you would, you would follow him, right? Jesus said, follow me, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, Psalm 23, to green pastures and still waters. Follow me. If you are led by the Spirit, if the Spirit is your shepherd, if you will, then here's what happens. You are not under the law. I want you to picture it this way. Under the weight of the law revealing your sin trapped as a prisoner. You won't be under it anymore. You'll be free. See, this is what Jesus wants you to experience. The abundant life is a free life, not to be under the law, that is legalism, which could also be here, not to try to be a religious person and become legalistic. The other side of this equation is not to be, not to think that freedom is licensed to sin. It's not legalism when you're truly free, led by the Spirit. It's not uh, license to sin. It's not law or license. It's to live above both of those. It's not to be a legalistic Christian that annoys everybody and is over the top on everything. Some of us just need to loosen up. But it's also not to use grace as an excuse, as a license 
for sin. It's to, use, it's to live a truly free life. It's to walk, please hear me, brethren, in the same manner as Jesus walked. He walked free. He walked in the power of the Spirit. He wasn't concerned about the religious leadership of his day in terms of their legalism. He did what the Spirit would have him to do. He did what the Father would have him to do. He always did those things that pleased the Father. He didn't allow himself to get boxed in by the religious elite, nor did he excuse sin in people. He would forgive them, and then he would say, go and sin no more. He was authentic and real. He showed us what a free life led by the Spirit looks like. Amen? And how we desire it. Because when we taste that beautiful life, that truly free life, then we're not in bondage to anything or anyone. We're a slave of Christ, which makes us free. I wrote a prayer here after verse 18 in my notes. Lord, I come before you in the name of Jesus. I am your servant. Please lead me to the things you want me to accomplish and the people you want me to love and serve today. I don't want to serve my flesh. I desire to walk by the Spirit. Let the fruits of your Holy Spirit come forth in my life to my wife, to my family, to my friends. In Jesus' name. That's just one example of a prayer you can pray. It's to put first the kingdom of God, to seek it first, and all the other things will be added unto you. It's to no longer be under the weight of legalism or the power of your flesh. It's to walk freely in the spirit. Write this down. You can look at it later. Isaiah 63, 10 through 15 is this idea of the spirit leading God's people, perhaps in the millennial reign of Christ. Isaiah 63, 10 through 15. Now we're going to wind this message down with looking at the deeds of the flesh, which are evident. And in, a, in the following Sunday, we're going to deal with the fruit of the Spirit. So now I got to give you the ugly list, but I'll just tell you that the deeds of the flesh or the acts of the sinful nature, verse 19, Galatians 5, they are evident. You could say, if you like, they are a no-duh. They are immorality, impurity, and sensuality. I, I mentioned, I didn't get here last week, parents, but there's some a little bit of adult content. I'm just going to kind of fly above these a little bit, but immorality is the Greek word pornea, and it's where we get the English word pornography. The deeds of the flesh, the acts of the sinful nature, they're very easy to figure out. And the first of them, and the, the group of three at the end of 19, all have to do with sexual sin. Uh, the Roman Greco, Greco world was filled with lawless chaos. Uh, immorality was rampant. And it took on many forms, which I won't get into right now. The word impurity speaks of moral defilement or error, specifically having to do with impurity and sexual relations. And the word sensuality is the idea of indecency. It's a lack of restraint. Barclay says, it's a love of sin so reckless and so audacious that man has ceased to care what God or man thinks of his actions. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Please take the time to visit our website, walkintruth.com, to learn more about the program. And if you've been listening for some time and appreciate what the program has to offer, would you please consider giving a small donation? Walk in Truth is a listener-supported ministry, and we're able to broadcast on this station and do the podcast because of that support. That's also how we're able to do our 633 apologetic events for free. If you're a new listener, please don't give. We're just blessed that you're listening. But if you've been listening for a while, can you give $5 today? We believe that the Lord is faithful and your $5 donation will go a long way to help us keep this ministry going. You can give your $5 donation when you visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. 
Life on the go can make it difficult to catch up on your study in the Bible. If you think about it, Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance is here for you, kind of like a daily supplement to help your spiritual growth. You can listen to Walk in Truth whenever you want because it's on podcast too. Subscribe to Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app. For example, if you have an iPhone, we're on your iPodcast app already on your phone. Walk in Truth is also on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and many more. So listen on your hike, during your drive, or while you're getting work done at a coffee shop. Basically, listen whenever you want. Subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. I mentioned, I didn't get here last week, parents, but there's some, a little bit of adult content. I'm just going to kind of fly above these a little bit, but immorality is the Greek word pornea, and it's where we get the English word pornography. The deeds of the flesh, the acts of the sinful nature, they're very easy to figure out. And the first of them, and the, the group of three at the end of 19, all have to do with sexual sin. Uh, the Roman Greco, Greco world was filled with lawless chaos. Uh, immorality was rampant, and it took on many forms, which I won't get into right now. The word impurity speaks of moral defilement or error, specifically having to do with impurity and sexual relations. And the word sensuality is the idea of indecency. It's a lack of restraint. Barclay says, it's a love of sin so reckless and so audacious that man has ceased to care what God or man thinks of his actions. Now, let me just say this to you. I've been, I've been watching our culture for the last several decades, and I will tell you that whatever the reason for this pandemic is, we have to admit that we've become a pretty lawless society when it comes to sexual immorality. It's gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. And at some point, brothers and sisters, and if you're watching as a non-Christian, I'll just say to you, at some point, you have to wonder when God is going to say, enough is enough. And we've had all kinds of things going on in our culture, and the line has been pushed more and more and more and more. And, and I'll tell you, sometimes... I, I'm watching television, for example, and I just can't believe it. But, but, I've, but I've also gotten to the point where I do believe it because now I almost expect to see it. There's kind of a callousness that concerns me right now, even in my own heart. And I think you know what I'm saying. We continue to push the envelope. And at what point do we think we're better than ancient Israel or other cities that God dealt with in a serious way because of these types of sins? He judged his own people because of them, is the Jewish people. And the church is God's people. But if you read Revelation 2 and 3, there's a call to repentance from sexual sin there, brethren. And I'm mentioning it to you because here it is right in front of us. The last three uh, words in verse 19, the deeds of the flesh, they're evident. And that's what they have to do with. Verse 20 goes on. Idolatry and sor sorcery could be categorized from sexual sins to spiritual sins. Idolatry and sorcery in verse 20. Idolatry is uh, putting an idol in your life above God or alongside of God. It also goes with the actions of idolatry, which got Israel in trouble. And sorcery is a word that is connected to idolatry, often uh, 
the sorcery would take place as the idol would be worshipped. And the word sorcery, if you want some more on in the Old Testament, read Deuteronomy 18. But the word for sorcery in Greek is the Greek word pharmakia, where we get the English word pharmacy. And it's the idea of, in the ancient world, they would use potions and drugs to achieve an altered state of consciousness. And they thought that that would get them in touch with the deity that they were worshiping. So they would go into the, the temple of the wine god Bacchus or the temple of Asclepion, and they would use hallucinogenic drugs or excess alcohol, and they would say that would get them in touch with the god or the goddess. Now, I'm, I'm just going to say this to you, that if you begin to mess with drugs and you alter your state of consciousness, you are opening the door to the demonic. It's what you're doing. Now, I'm not talking about if you take an ibuprofen. I'm not talking about things that are prescribed by a doctor to deal with a medical issue. I'm talking about people who take drugs to alter a state of consciousness. This was done all the way back in the ancient world. And it opens a door for, potentially for the demonic. And sometimes when, when a person continues to give into this, they end up becoming open game. And I'll leave it there. The rest of the sins, the deeds of the flesh, and I'm sorry to bum you out, but I told you this is going to be kind of a hard list. I think there's 15 in all. May surprise you because they have to do with social sins or relational sins. Read the list. They are enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger. Here's the picture for outbursts of anger. <laughs> I'm not getting my way, so I'm going to have a temper tantrum. They are disputes, dissensions, factions. These are the things that largely ruin the church. Divisions, dissensions, factions, envy, strife, jealousy, stupid fights over stupid things that end up ruining believers and ruining our witness. They need to stop. And they are a consequence of the flesh. As much as a sexual sin or a uh, spiritual sin like idolatry, so a social sin or relational sin is just as much a deed of the flesh. If you gossip about a friend, if you backbite, if you cause dissension and division in God's church, that's just as much a deed of the flesh. It's just a different deed. It's about self. And it is opposite the fruits of the Spirit, which are all about love. Now, I won't give you every Greek definition of every word because I think they're all self-evident. There's two more, uh, actually three more in verse 21. There's envying, envying, envy is the root of so many sins. Drunkenness, there obviously the word means to abuse alcohol so that you become intoxicated. And carousing, which is translated orgies in ESV and NIV, and things like these. Not even an exhaustive list, but oftentimes when abuse was going on in the ancient world, just like in today's world, what would happen is it would... It would debauch into other things. See, when you abuse things that you're not supposed to, what ends up happening is that you lower your defenses, you lose your inhibitions, and people often make tragic mistakes. And you may be in that situation. And Paul goes on, he says, I warn you, just as I forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. A key word you want to see is practice. See, what you practice really means this is who you are. And 
I think Paul is just making a simple point that if you are in a habitual sin pattern without repenting from it, you need to go back and check the root and see if you're in the kingdom of God. Occasional lapses to sin are going to happen. Let me be clear. Anyone who says he doesn't sin is a liar. We all fall short in many ways, James says. We struggle to control the tongue. We, str- we struggle to control the thought life. We struggle with the flesh. I'm not talking about the fact that you won't struggle because you're going to. And in fact, the whole sermon's been about the tug of war and the struggle. And that's where the Lord's taken us. So please don't think that the only way you can be a saved Christian is to be perfect in this life. You ain't going to be perfect in this life. But you should be, you won't be sinless, but you should sin less. You won't be perfect, but hopefully you're not the person you were five years ago or even a year ago. You're making progress in your walk. That's the key. But Paul is saying, if you habitually practice these ugly deeds and you don't repent of them and they define you, you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And it is what it is. I'm not going to try to soften the words of Scripture. I'm going to say to you that we are saved by grace through faith. And what we want is a life that is hopefully dominated by pleasing God. But we are going to have our struggles. And I want to encourage you, brethren, that it doesn't matter how long you've been walking with the Lord, you're going to have some struggles. You're going to be in a battle. But the battle is winnable as you walk by the Spirit, as you are led by the Spirit, as you are empowered by the Spirit. Now, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit of God, but if you're not a Christian, you don't, and there's no way that you can win this battle. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're in a situation where you've been hitting your head against the wall, and you've had something dominating you for so long, you don't know if you'll ever be free. You can be free in Jesus. He sets people free. He breaks the chains of canceled sin. If you're a Christian and maybe you're a newer Christian or maybe you've gone back to some sin patterns of the past that have gotten a hold of you, those chains can be easily broken by just getting back to the walk, the victorious walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've been walking by the Spirit and you have said, man, I I am a different person today than I've ever been before, that's something to celebrate. God is so good and he's he's broken so many chains in so many of our lives. And I want to leave you on a celebratory note because I want to leave you with just think about how many chains he's broken in your life. Think about how many freedoms and new uh, wonderful fruits and blessings he's put into your life. Think about how far you have come. Think about where you're headed and how he's used you and the beauty of your life now as you walk in the Spirit. You've been listening to Tug of War, part three on Walk in Truth. That was Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 5, 16 through 21. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program or parts one or two or any of the teachings in Galatians, you can listen to Pastor Michael's teachings on the Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. I just want to say thank you so much to everyone that's given a $5 donation to Walk in Truth. You know, it's our mission to equip you with the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're hoping that we're giving you the tools to easily explain the Christian faith to your friends, your family, your coworkers, and to see how scripture applies to today's issues, trends, and cultures. Your $5 donations have helped us broadcast on the station you're listening to now and the podcast app you're using too. So to be honest, we're broadcasting on less stations these days, but we hope to change that. We need more monthly partners to help us grow and move forward in our mission. So can you become a $10 a month partner? We're looking to the future and knowing you'll be there with us when the time comes to grow is reassuring. So please become a $10 a month partner today. 
visit walkintruth.com and click on donate. That's walkintruth.com and click on donate. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, we've been learning in Galatians chapter five that the flesh wars against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, the two are contrary one to another. There is a battle. And as we get into that list, that ugly list of the fruit of the flesh, nobody, I don't think anybody uh, wants that. Uh, We don't want outbursts of wrath or factions or enmities or strife or any of these things. It's an ugly list. The, The fruit of the flesh is an ugly list. What we want is the fruit of the Spirit, and that's where we're leading next time here on Walk in Truth. We're going to get into those nine fruits of the Spirit, and they're representative. There's more than that, and they're beautiful, and they're wonderful. They're love and joy and peace and patience and goodness and kindness and faithfulness, self-control. And we're going to find out, hey, this fruit can be produced in my life. This is how it happens it's the fruit of the spirit. It's the byproduct of a byproduct of a life that is governed by the spirit and producing the fruit of the spirit. And so that is tomorrow right here on Walk in Truth. One more thing, Walk in Truth is a listener supported program. Your $10 donation helps us broadcast on radio, provide the podcast and to do free events about issues our society's facing today and equip you as a believer. So please give your donation at walkintruth.com. And join us tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 5, 22 through 24, called The Fruit of the Spirit. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.